and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Big Gay Energy. Today I am joined by an amazing author and ally, Jeannie Gainsbourg. Jeannie is an award-winning educational trainer and consultant in the field of LGBTQ plus inclusion and effective allyship. Those were a lot of words. She is also the author of The Savvy Ally, a vital resource for teachers, mental health professionals, healthcare providers, college professors, faith leaders, family members, and friends who want to support and advocate for the LGBTQ plus people in their lives and help make the world a safer, more inclusive place. Thanks for joining me today, Jeannie. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. So excited to meet you and your mom. Yes, actually, that's my next (laughs) point today. What about me? (laughs) Relax, we're getting to you. There's a reason you're here. I love you. (laughs) Today, my mom will also be helping me with this interview. She started reading this book and it has helped her become a better ally for the community. Thanks for joining me, Mama. Thank you for having me, Caitlin. And now you wanted to say something. I do. (laughs) Jeannie, you are my idol. I got to say, and I don't want the tears to come through. Why neither? (laughs) Because I'll tell you reading your book i am guilty of everything and you were born in 61 i believe 63 i'm sorry if you don't want that on there i know it's fine i just turned 61 year before me or after so we're in the same boat same generation Mm -hmm. how we grew up so i I, i'm gonna i'm taking my own (laughs) so anyway you have given shed light and I wish I could get that book out to everybody I know. But as we go through the um, interview, I might have some things to say. If that's okay. That's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your kind words about my book. I, I was thrilled when I heard that Caitlin's mother was going to be joining us for the interview because um, I was I was realizing that Caitlin and and you know her her coworkers co colleagues on the podcast and probably a lot of folks that are listening are not necessarily my my target audience for my book um but you are tracy may i call you tracy absolutely yeah um so you are you're you're the person i pretty much had in mind when i wrote this book which was um basically also me when i got started which is you know folks of a certain generation who didn't like we never learned this stuff like i <laughs> we got none of this stuff as far as our education oh, no. growing up and I just run into so many people like you who I, I obviously can tell are just big hearted people who want to do the right thing and are just really, you know, 
<laughs> scared that they're going to mess up or they are messing up and they feel terrible. And oh, so this, yeah. <laughs> is, this is really the guidebook that I, I wanted and needed when I got started. So it's so wonderful to hear you reflect that back to me because that was really my goal was to help folks like you along with um, allyship. And I just want to say, you said you made like a million mistakes. I mean, that's how I know about these mistakes because I also made all those mistakes. <laughs> I, mean, I can like, relate to like... you through the book. And I tell you, I had, I had tissues with me through the book oh. because I think back on people in my past that I want to say, I am so sorry. You know, yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah. And it, there's no expiration date on um, apologies. I, I think, I'm not sure if I added that in my book, but I go back to conversations all the time when I realize I messed up, you know, sometimes yeah. years later, I'm like, Hey, remember when I said this, <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is what I actually meant. Or I learned that this was a terrible thing to say or whatever. I love those conversations. <laughs> yes. Well, I really appreciate you writing it. And I, I talk to many people and I'm telling you it's frustrating and um, eye awakening. It, it's, it's so difficult because allies we need so many more and we don't have a whole lot we have people that say yeah yeah i accept it no they don't because they don't understand the community they don't understand everything that's involved you have to understand everything that's involved so you can understand everybody in this world yeah and that's the problem because everybody should not we should not have a community we should all be one and that's what i've always been like growing up i'm gonna cry <laughs> oh. And and right. I agree with you, but I, I also think allies, I'm again, getting back to why I wrote this book, I think allies, especially in the last, I'd say, decade are in an, a difficult situation because there's so much conflicting information out there about what to do and what not to do. Like I think about being an ally, you know, for uh, racial justice and I'm seeing things that are complete, you know, you should do this. And then I'll read a week later, you shouldn't do this. You should do this. And you know, which is why, again, I'm a, so racial justice, I'm learning myself constantly. I'm doing a lot of reading. My expertise, however, is LGBTQ plus inclusion. And that's where I was like, let me just give people the tools. Like I think people, a lot of people, as I said, big hearted people are desperate to be allies and they just don't know what to do. And they're so scared that they're going to mess up um, and say something that's, you know, accidentally offends someone. And so um, I just, you know, I think we need more resources like this. Honestly, I wish someone would write the savvy ally around racial justice. Like I would love that book. Well, I love Back to you, Katie. <laughs> hearing this wonderful discussion. I just want to add that I absolutely loved reading this book as well. So obviously you're talking yeah. target audience are people like my mom, but the message of advocating for others really resonated with me. How can members of the queer community like myself become advocates for others? Yeah, that I, I love, I get, I'm so complimented when someone like you um, says that they really enjoyed my book. I mean, again, cause I'm, I'm talking about your community of people. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it, it's just such a compliment, but um, yeah. And one of the things I talk about in my book, which is that I define ally broadly. So, you know, within the LGBTQ plus 
context, we tend to think of the ally as the straight cisgender person like myself, which in many cases is true. But, you know, I have people who have read my book who are like cisgender lesbians and they're like, oh my God, like I learned, I thought I knew all this. I learned so much, you know, because they're experts on cisgender lesbians, but they don't know anything about, you know, pansexual folks or transgender folks or non-binary folks. And so we all have a role that we can play as allies to the LGBTQ plus communities, even if we're part of that community. Um, so, ooh, is that, was that dog ears I just heard? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was, oh, let's see this pooch. Oh, hello, honey. Who's this? this? One. Who the is other it? one is, uh, here, move that did you way say, a Did bit. you say Lauren? No, this is Bristol, and then this one's Brooklyn. Oh my God, that was such a distinctive noise. I was like, that was dog ears. I'm I sorry. No, it's, I love that they're included in this interview. Um, but yeah, so I just think, you know, even again, even if you're part of the trans community, maybe you're a white transgender man, like you can be an ally to trans women of color who are, you know, marginalized and victimized in much different ways. So um, again, it's just a huge compliment when I hear someone who's part of the LGBTQ plus communities telling me that either they learned a lot or they just really appreciated my perspective. It, that means a ton to me thank you i'll be honest in the beginning i was like oh so someone not in a community writing this book but then as i was reading i was like oh okay i understand why because you have the experiences and your target audience aren't isn't people in the community right but and you also have all the experience to back it up you've done all this work and thank you yeah yeah, there are actually two editions of this book. What motivated you? To, what motivated you to create a second edition? So yeah, so the first edition came out on uh, March twelfth, twenty twenty. If you can picture that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> it was a great time to launch your first book. Don't do this, folks. Kitties listening at home, don't don't launch your first book at the. Basically, it was like day one of the national pandemic shutdown, so that really sucked. Um, basically, the book, you know, again, it was targeted, you know, for teachers and professors. I'm like, these folks had a little some other stuff on their mind in mid March. You know, everyone was trying to figure out how, how to zoom at that point. So the book had a slow start, which was frustrating. Um, it eventually picked up steam. People who found it loved it. So it unfortunately, it didn't get out there as well as I would like, but folks that have found it love it. Um, it's killing it on reviews on Amazon, which makes me so happy. Um, and then my publisher, uh, I, I went through Roman and Littlefield, and they were excited enough about the book that they wanted a second edition. And I also was thinking along those lines, because I'm like, so much has changed. I mean you know, as you know, within the last three years, so much has changed about language, about, you know, politics, although I don't go deep, too deep into politics, because mm -hmm. honestly, my book is, um, it's about how to be an ally, not why to be an ally. Um, I make that very clear. I think there's a lot of great books out mm -hmm. there about, like, why be involved. I, the people who pick up my book, I want them to be folks who are like, we, you know, I'm on board with LGBTQ plus inclusion. I just want the tools to be a good ally. So, um, I, I, I focused, you know, coming from, from that area basically, but, um, there was a lot more to write about. I realized just for example, I wrote a lot about pronouns and the use of pronouns gathering, um, and, and sharing throughout the first edition. But as I did, so I do, I do workshops as well as I was running workshops over the last three years, I realized we are not giving people really good tools for um, understanding pronouns. 
we talk all the time about like, we should gather pronouns, but I realized I've never once in my life said to someone, what are your pronouns? I actually think it's pretty intrusive um, because there are reasons why someone might not want to share their pronouns. So I think there are better ways to gather pronouns without making it awkward and without putting people on the spot. And I'm like, where are these tips? I'm not finding them anywhere. So that was a thing for this third, for the second edition, I decided I need a whole chapter on pronouns. Like why we, why we should share them, even if they're obvious, how to gather them respectfully, how to allow people the opportunity not to share if they don't want to, how to use singular they and some of the neo pronoun, you know, like all that stuff. So that was just a, that's a small example of something that I felt I really could add to the, the second edition, um, a whole chapter on pronouns. Also through my workshops, I was doing, um, I was getting a ton of questions from the community that are like great questions. And I was like, this is such a good question. You know, I should answer this in my book. So I added a new chapter that's specifically questions from the community. So great questions that are coming from teachers, from, you know, um, a workplace, from family members. And so I have, that's another chapter. So there was just, there was a lot of new content that needed to be added. And I kind of hope to continue to update it every few years and, you know, language is constantly changing. I feel like I'm, I, I like to do the work for people, for the folks who are like, how do you keep up? I can't keep up on all this language. Um, I'd like to be able to do that with this book, just periodically update it. That's a great point. Cause a lot of, I feel like a lot of people think that once they learn something, they're fine. They don't need to continue educating themselves, but mm -hmm. it is changing. There are, um, that's that's in her book. <laughs> you read the book. <laughs> yeah. And actually with that said, I mean, I think that I just want to talk a little bit about like all the words that are changing. So I recently did a workshop in a local school district and up on the there was a poster that was up on the wall from the GSA. Um, for those who aren't familiar with the word GSA, it, it used to stand for Gay Straight Alliance. It sometimes still does. Um, I think now more than off, more often than not, it's for Gender and Sexuality Alliance. But it's a school club for LGBTQ plus students and allies. And they had a poster up with like a whole bunch of identity terms. And I'm like, I there's like three on here that I don't know. I do this work full time, and like I don't know these words. And it just reinforced again that we don't need to know every single identity word that's out there in order to be allies. You know, I think sometimes people get held back because they're like, I just don't know enough. I need to know more terms before I get out there and, you know, become active. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, you know, we learn as we go. We meet someone who says they're, you know, whatever, whatever it is, agender. And we're like, oh, you know, could, do you mind sharing what that means for you? I'm not familiar with that term. Like, that's how we learn. We shouldn't be held back by the fact that we don't know every single identity word that's out there. Um, one of the things I offer in my book is respectful communication tips that will work regardless, you know, <laughs> whether you know someone's identity or not. And of course, most of the time when we're having conversations, we don't know someone's identity. But they're tips that will help you navigate respectful conversations without ever needing to know how someone identifies. Um, so I just think that's important to keep in mind too. Like even I don't know all the words, they're, they're, they're changing so rapidly. And I just hope people don't get held back by that. Uh, that is Are you laughing at me? <laughs> no, I'm laughing at the fact that my mom takes no. it off. Uh, no, definitely I would not laugh at anything you say, unless it was actually no, no, it's okay. meant to be funny. Um, but yeah, there, I can guarantee that 
like the three of us do this podcast to help advocate for bed representation in the media and there are definitely things that we didn't know in this book so i feel like unless you're fully committed to knowing everything and continuing education you're not gonna know everything like even if you're in it like you said you're not gonna know everything it's just it helps you to have conversations with people and that's why we try to bring in more people who aren't like us because we all have the same we're all cisgender lesbian so we only have one point of view in the community Mm -hmm. so it's important to continue the conversation with people well you both make a good point because you're never going to know everything you have to get out there and you've got to talk. And if you're a people person, you can't be afraid to talk to people because that's how you learn about anything in life. Yeah. You know, that's how I work. <laughs> I and if you're more introverted, you know, you can, you can all like myself, you I tend to read and Google. You can read exactly. You can Google, you can read blogs, you can get on YouTube and, and watch postings from people, you know, who are again, different identities that you're trying to learn about. If you truly have it in your heart to want to learn, Mm -hmm. you'll find a way. Yep. Were there any topics pertaining to allyship that you considered too obvious to include in the book? Too obvious? Like you, it was like such ingrained in Neo that you didn't think that maybe someone wouldn't know that. And that you had to think about that one for a minute. Um, I do consider my book fairly basic, meaning, you know, I I think I've got different levels running through it. So um, I I can't think of anything offhand. I feel like I went pretty, pretty basic, pretty starter. But with that said, I feel like there's enough content in there for folks who have been active allies for for a while. Um, One of the things that I that I do, there's sort of a double layer through my book. I'm not sure if you picked up on that, but there's like the, the information and then there's the, how do we educate about this information? So if you've already, if you already understand this information, here are some more tips on when we're talking with others, you know, how to, how to give, give them information um, about this topic that will land on ears in a, in a positive way rather than make people defensive. So, um, but yeah. Um, mm. I, I think it with another question so, and I'll, I'll think about that while we're talking. I can't think it's of more anything. So like when you were first writing the book, anything that yourself you thought was too obvious and you forgot to include. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, this needs to be in there. And then you like went back. and. I, I think the only thing that comes to mind is is probably the, the pronoun thing. I feel like I maybe missed that opportunity to me. I mean, yeah. Okay. I think it's, I mean, I know we talked about pronouns already, but I'm sorry, pronouns, it just drives me nuts. The whole pronoun thing, the pushback against pronouns. I'm like, <laughs> I'm always, I actually giggle a little bit inside when people are like, can you talk about the importance of pronouns? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, just try going an hour without using a pronoun. I mean, you know, people are, or people who say like, I don't use pronouns or I don't believe in pronouns. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> everybody uses pronouns um so some some of that is so basic that i had to i think over the last three years i was like wow people really are not understanding what this is about um and that was maybe i thought that was that was too basic to explain that hey folks we all use pronouns um and pronouns are not a transgender issue 
you know, like, <laughs> like I always, I'll, I'll think of that too. People think somehow pronouns are, a tra- you know, they're for those transgender people. I'm like, pronouns are for all of us. Um, all of us are, have the ability, the possibility of being misgendered. Um, so, you know, we tend to think, oh, it's just those transgender folks who, who get misgendered or have the wrong pronoun used for them. And I'm like, there's plenty of transgender people who move through the world and always have the correct pronoun used for them. And there's also a lot of folks who are cisgender who have the wrong pronoun used for them. Um, I gave the example in my book of the soccer, soccer star, Abby Wambach, um, who, who I heard in a podcast talking about how she she's a cisgender lesbian. She moves through the world and people constantly refer to her as him or say, oh, you know, excuse me, sir, I think you're in the wrong bathroom just because she's tall and she's got short hair and she's got broad shoulders. So she's someone who's not transgender and she's very much impacted by having the wrong pronoun used for her. So, so yes, it does impact our transgender and non-binary friends probably more than most, but you know, it's not a transgender issue. It's it's just a, a human issue. Um, so that was something that I think maybe I thought was like so, so basic. I didn't really understand the pushback against, you know, referring to people correctly. <laughs> I guess I still don't, but I, <laughs> but I added that in a little more detail in my book. Was there something you wanted to say? No, I misunderstood the question. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was something like that's ingrained. Never mind. <laughs> okay, so I feel like a lot of people define themselves as an ally, but are fairly passive in their allyship. Do you have to be out there actively advocating for the community to be an ally? This is such a great question. Um, I think I'm a little different than most here in, in answering this. Um, honestly, I, I, the perspective that I am coming from is you're never going to hear me getting in an argument about whether someone's an ally or not. I think that um, being an ally is, is an ongoing process. And for someone sticking a pin on their backpack that says I'm an ally can be a bold move, like a courageous move for them, depending on their background and who they are and who's likely to see that. So I never judge people and say like, oh, that's it. You're, you're just going to stick a, you know, a pin on your backpack and consider yourself an ally. That Honestly, that could be huge for someone. It could also be a starting point. Like, I'm going to dip my toe in this. Like, I'm going to put this pin on my backpack and see what conversations I get in and, you know, see if I'm, if, you know, it's okay or if people you know, I mean, whatever. I just think it, it's an ongoing process. When I think of myself 20 years ago, when I first got started, I was so hesitant. I was so worried that I wouldn't be welcomed or, you know, that there would be a lot of backlash against me. There's a lot going on for people. And so I, I would never say you're not an ally because you're not doing enough ever. Um, I think we do what we can. We learn as we go. I think if we get encouragement and people aren't judgy. We, we do more, you know, I mean, I, I had, a, I got a lot of handholding when I started and I, I honestly, I needed it. It's embarrassing to say now, but I had no connection to the LGBTQ plus community. So I wasn't sure I'd be welcome. And um, I just really needed a lot of people saying like, we're so glad you're here. Your voice is really important. That helped me, that helped move me along to now where, um, you know, this is what I do full time for work, but um, I just think a lot of folks, when they're starting out, they're kind of trying things. And again, something that feels really 
um, not super risky for some of us is can be a really bold move for others. So, you know, obviously I think that being an ally should involve action, but I think we should really respect people where they are and, um, you know, help people understand what there is to do and what, what skills they can bring to the table and help offer tips on how they can get more involved if they're interested. I, I love that you were like embraced with open arms when coming into the community. Has that been like your overall uh, acceptance or were there people who did not like that you were either writing this book or um, I'm trying to figure out the right wording for this, but just like not welcoming enough? Yeah. So let me start with the story about being welcomed because it, it was it's so beautiful um i didn't include it in my book i actually forgot about it for a while and and someone recently was talking with me about it but when i first got started so i, I literally looked up the word gay in the phone book in 2003 and called our local agency which was at the time called the gay alliance i'm i'm, I'm in rochester new york and i asked if i could volunteer and they immediately put me into a training for speakers um which was ironic because i was a terrible public speaker at the time and i knew nothing about the lgbtq plus community so i'm like this is a terrible job for me but it was a weekend long training and i walked in there knowing no one and not even sure i would be welcome because you know um i didn't even know the word like ally at the time like 20 years ago ally was not being used in a social justice context the way it is now at least i i wasn't aware of it so i'm like I'm not, I remember saying to my husband, I may be home in an hour. Like, I'm not sure they're going to allow me it. Like, that's where I was at. So I was so scared and I walk into the room and I'm like, everybody knew each other except for me. So I'm already like, oh my gosh, like this is awful. And then um, the, our very first icebreaker activity was we had to pull a scenario out of a hat and go to the front of the room and talk about that scenario. And so the one that I pulled out was coming out at work like describe coming out at work or an experience coming out at work. And I'm like, I knew it. I knew it. They're all, they all are LGBTQ plus folks. You know, no one here is an ally. Um, I was, um, oh my gosh. And so it was, when it was my turn, I got up in front of this group and I'm like shaking, like knees knocking. I am so scared. And I, I just say, you know, I'm supposed to talk about what it's like to come out at work, but I can't cause I'm, I'm not part of the LGBTQ plus community but I can talk about like how nervous I was coming today and what it's like coming into a group like this without knowing anyone as an ally. And, and, you know, I've got a lot to offer. I hope you don't kick me out. And I was <laughs> just like, ver like verbal diarrhea, but I was like, it was just a hundred percent like honest. I just made myself so vulnerable. I was just like, wow, I was so nervous. I didn't know what to wear. And, uh, <laughs> and like, and then when I'm done, I start, I walk back to my seat and as I'm walking back, a woman reaches out and, and touches my hand, holds my hand and she looks me in the eye and she says, you truly belong here. And I like just lost it. I started crying and, and that was it. Like I, I just all weekend people were like, we're so glad you're here. Your voice is so important. And so that, that literally just launched me into this career as an ally. And, and definitely as, as I started, people knew, they just like, they knew I was, my heart was in the right place and I was, and I made mistakes and they were so forgiving and it was just fantastic. Um, to answer the second part of your question, I've had pushback, but honestly, I was afraid with this book that I'd have a lot more pushback. I'm so pleased at how little pushback I've had. Um, I really expected more as a, as a straight cisgender white woman um, I thought there'd be a lot of sort of hatred against 
me and my my work and like who is she if she's not part of the community um i think i only had one review on goodreads where someone was like how dare she take it upon herself to which i think is hilarious like how dare she you know support my community of people <laughs> like what are you actually complaining about it's kind of weird but i think um I mean, I think hopefully most people understand that like ally to ally conversations are so critical. You know, white folks should be talking with other white folks about racial justice. We should not be relying upon the marginalized community members to always be doing the educating. And, you know, of course, as a as a um, lesbian, I believe you use the word lesbian for yourself as a lesbian. You know, let's not rely on the lesbians to constantly be, you know, tell, educating other people on their identity. Like this is a role that allies should play. And I think more and more people are hopefully understanding that. So a book from an ally to other allies, which is what this is, um, I think is so critical. And again, I wish I wish I would see it. Um, oh, actually, I, I did see a great one, uh, Ally to Ally, about race. Um, it was um, by a woman. Oh, the book was Waking Up White. Um, and that was a book about a white woman, like just waking up to racial injustice. And it was, you know, targeted to for target audience was other white women and uh, other white people. And um, that one really resonated with me. So um, yes, I've had pushback, um, but it's been it's been really very limited, which is which has been wonderful. I think if you actually read the book, <laughs> like it's very well written. So I feel like that one reviewer definitely did not even pick it up. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <clears throat> Anything? I have a lot, but I'm not. Go ahead. No, because it just it, it's all. Go ahead. This is your open, <laughs> open floor. No, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> and we open. can cut anything out. We don't want to share. So <laughs> uh, let's do it. <laughs> um, no, do you have questions, Tracy, or any comments or anything that really resonated with you? I just have a group of people. I mean, I'm just, I have a group of people that are in the community and out of the community. I do wear a pin and it's not just to say, hey, this is my job and that's it. I'm the second person that's wearing the pin, especially in June, because it's Pride Month. And um, I'm proud of my daughter and I'm proud of the community. I have friends that, you know, they've already fought for their identity. So they have stopped fighting. Let the others fight for their identity and rights. Yeah. In the same community, which really makes me wonder you know it and then you try to talk about it what you know and the the ears are down mm -hmm. don't want to hear it well where are you where are you coming from by the way what what area we're are near you? philly we're near philly, near philly. Oh, okay. we're in a state that accepts you go to florida oh. and i thought that was going to be my last trip because you know i, I you say yeah. we accept yet my whole uh my did i say something wrong no right. no you, you, it's not wrong it's just my school district is banning pride flags in the classroom right now and books and see that's what i don't understand that's part of history it's part of culture it's part of pete the world and that's what i just get so upset about you know and i was i was i don't know i was guilty when growing up but growing up i had a grandmother that was born in 1904 and i was very young my mother had a couple of friends that were gay uh, male and 
I said something to my grandmother, not bad because it wasn't anything. I didn't think anything or twice about it, but to hear my grandmother say, you know, you just have to feel sorry for them. And in her words, because the world is so mean, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they're born like that. And I always think about that woman was the most wonderful woman. Yeah. Way back. Um, yeah, so, so, that at that age in that era, that's major. Yeah. So, so like you, Caitlin, we're, um, we're seeing some. I think we're seeing some trickle down from some of the horrendous uh, bills that are being passed in places like Florida. Well, you know, I'm in New York State, which is you know a relatively um, liberal state, and I'm and I talk with educators constantly who are they're just scared to death. They're like, I don't know what I can and can't say. Um, we have. Mm-hmm some we have a guidelines here in new york state around transgender inclusion in schools that specifically states certain things but a lot of the educators don't know about it or they're not sure that the administrators are going to have their back if they you know read about you know king and king like two princes you know the storybook about the two princes fall like you know it's just it's affecting everybody even though it's you know it's it's happening in florida this this stuff is affecting everybody it's um it's absolutely horrifying i feel like we just step back a hundred years in time um with with these bills it's yeah i don't know what else to say i have no magic words except for vote folks vote but I, I want to go back. I think your point is a really good one, Tracy, about how, you know, once people are accepted or have found their turn, their identity terms, you know, um, many of them step back and are kind of done. You know, I, I'm always amazed. I think I share a story in my book about a young trans man who, like, when he first got involved in LGBTQ plus inclusion was like, what's with all these new words? I don't understand. Why do we need so many identity words? And um, and I'm thinking, wow, this is coming from a transgender man, you know, but he had found his words. Like, he was a straight transgender man. He had found his identity words, and he was he was sitting in a good place as far as understanding his identity. So he, he heard all these new words, and he was like, I don't, like, why do we need all these words, you know? And it's just so interesting to, to have that reaction. Um, <laughs> you know, words are so important. And I think that, you know, those of us who, like, I mean, I, I know we throw the word around privilege, but it, privilege in that way, like if you're privileged enough to have found your identity word, and it's like, this is my word, this makes sense. Um, just having enough of an awareness that a lot of folks have not found their identity word yet and that we should, you know, be supporting them as well and and communities should support other communities so you know the trans community transgender community non-binary community like fully under attack in the united states um you know the so the rest of us like folks it's it's only a matter of time like i mean you know next it's again we were seeing pushback against um gay and lesbian folks in schools um women are certainly under attack in the u.s like it's just it's 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 all of us it's about all of us um, so I think that, you know, we, we need to really be, be allies to all sorts of different communities, um, and not sit back and think we're, we're in a good place because we're not, it's frightening. I do understand the friends that, um, are gay that came up in our era. They fought their way, <clears throat> excuse me. They fought their way and to get their rights. And they went through a lot because it was all brand new. They were just sharing their story. And I say sharing their world because i prefer to say sharing their world instead of coming out of a closet because i i read that part too and i and i applaud you for explaining that because it's not a closet you should be in it's your world Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's, I'm, I'm not explaining it right, but they're, they trust you enough to share their world with you. Yeah. Yeah. That actually came from um, Jacob Tobiah, who wrote the book, Sissy. Um, I loved that. So I think they use the pronoun they, I'm going to use the pronoun they, um, they talk about um, how they think we need a new, a new metaphor for coming out of the closet. And they said they really like the metaphor of a snail coming out of its shell, which just really, I thought that's so, it's so true, right? Because when a snail doesn't come out of its shell, we don't blame the snail. We don't say, oh, that snail is withholding or <laughs> that snail is being with, you know, dishonest. The snail isn't coming out of its shell because we've scared it, right? It's, it's about the environment. So I'm like, that makes so much more sense to me. Like, let's not blame the snail for hiding in its shell. We should be blaming the environment where you don't really get that sense with the closet. With the closet, you're like, oh, why don't they come out? What's their problem? Why are they hiding who they are? Um, so I, I'm totally using the snail now when I talk about coming out. I think it just really um, helps, you know, helps us not only understand what people are going through, but also gives us action pieces as allies to be like, well, what, what can I do about this environment to help this person feel like they can, you know, come out of their shell um, and help them make them feel safe. So thank you. I just want to give credit where credit is due. That came from author Jacob Tobiah, which was, I love that metaphor. Yeah, I like it too. It's very good. Excuse me for a minute. Bristol, could you stop digging under the chair? <laughs> <laughs> that dog, she does not want to stay still right now. <laughs> Usually they're asleep during whenever I film, but no, grandma's in the room, so <laughs> she's very hyper. <laughs> in the book, you talk about how the A does not stand for ally. I have also heard people take offense when others say that Q can stand for questioning. What mm. is your take on the Q and LGBTQ plus? Mm. So I, I've, I always, when I, when I teach this in my workshops, I say the Q can stand for queer or questioning. And sometimes you'll see two Qs. Um, I honestly, I think if there's only one Q as an LGBTQIA, or plus, um, I think it tends to stand for queer, but I, I really like the fact that questioning is included in the initialism. And the reason is, you know, one reason I can think of is that there's a lot of folks who are still on a journey of figuring out who they are. And so if you've got, for example, like here in Rochester, we used to have a very active group pre-pandemic um, that was specifically for transgender men, like a, just a meetup at, you know, a local coffee shop for transgender men. And they always wrote that it's for transgender men and questioning folks because, you know, someone could be trying to figure out, is this, is this right for me? Am I a transgender man? Well, that person now knows that they're welcome to join that group when you include questioning. Um, and honestly, I mean, I think questioning is just such a beautiful word because I think, you know, it, it just means we're all, we're all trying to figure out who we are. And some of us think we have it locked in and who knows, you know, 10 years from now, we may, we may find that, you know, oh, actually this, this word fits better for me or, oh, I didn't realize I actually do have this attraction. Um, you know, it just, the idea of us being stagnant, figuring out who we are at age 13, and then we got that locked in, you know, we're, we're done. Um, you know, that's, that's maybe that's true for some of us, maybe. Um, but I think for many of us, our understanding of ourselves is fluid and our, our attractions are fluid. And so I think questioning is a beautiful thing to add to the initialism. Um, I actually, I have to say, I have not heard pushback against 
questioning. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that or where people are coming from by disliking that. It's definitely, I've only seen comments online. I haven't had a direct conversation with somebody. So obviously people say all kinds of things online, but somebody has to be feeling like this. I believe, um, I really don't understand the questioning, like why they're against that being in the initialism. I really, I don't, I don't fully know why that that was a thing, but I just know that I've seen it a few places. So I wanted to just bring it up to see if you had experienced it at all. Yeah, I haven't, but I do fully understand why people would not want the A for ally included in the initialism. Like I admit, like I, back when I started this work in 2003, at least here in Rochester, when you saw the A, it, it stood for ally. It did not stand for asexual in 2003 folks. Now you can be sure it stands for asexual when you see the A in 2023. Um, so there was a shift there. So some people are confused by that, I think, because initially, again, I'm, I can only speak of upstate New York, but it, it was mm-hmm. it stood for ally back in 2003. Um, but, you know, it makes no sense for ally to be part of the initialism. I mean, by definition, we are not part of the, the community, right? <laughs> right? That's the definition of who we are. So why would we be included in this initialism about the community? We're part of the movement, folks. We're not part of the community. So ally really has, I think, no place in the initialism. So when you see the A, you can be sure in, in this day and age that it stands for asexual. Um, and if you're ever unsure whether you're welcome at an event when you don't see ally specifically written down. I just encourage people to call the event organizer or email and find out if allies are welcome just to make sure we're being respectful of spaces that are meant to be LGBTQ plus only spaces. That's great. I think the overarching conversation was the A. That was mm-hmm. like a big issue. And then someone like brought up and don't tell me that Q is for questioning either. And I'm just like, but that they are part of the community because they are questioning themselves like they don't like they uh, yeah this it's it's hard to uh communicate but questioning it it doesn't seem like it shouldn't be because that is part of most people's journey at one point they are questioning right yeah, it's for folks who haven't really quite figured it all out yet, which is a huge population of people. <laughs> and I think we should be welcoming them, right? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think you included in your book, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but if you really get down to it, you could have L, G, B, G, G, G. Like you could, if you put every single thing down, you're going to have triple letters all the way down the line. Yes. I used to joke around that we couldn't afford the ink to write it all out in our right, brochure right. when I worked at the nonprofit. Oh my gosh. Okay. The last time I saw it written out here in, in Rochester, it was LGBTQQIAAPP3A2SPP, you know, and growing. Yeah. Which is great. Like, I mean, honestly, I think it's, I think it's amazing. I love that people are questioning. I love that new identities are being created. Um, that, you know, help people figure out who they are. But I think the initialism is problematic. I, I really wish we had a word like queer that meant the entire community, but that offended no one. Because, you know, um, I know, 
I know, Caitlin, you use queer on your podcast. I hear it all the time. It's totally embraced by, you know, many, many people, mostly younger folks. But, you know, I'm of a generation where I'll, I'll tell you a story. We So I told you that I was I worked at an agency called the Gay Alliance here in um Rochester, not the most inclusive name. And in my final five years there, we changed the name to the more inclusive Out Alliance. But at the time that we were looking for new names, you know, staff members were giving um, suggestions of what a good name might be. And uh, some of the words had queer in it, you know, like the Rochester Queer Center, for example, was one option. And at the time, we had a very active older um, LGBTQ plus community group that came in to do, you know, play Euchre and do all sorts of events. And we had several members of that group come to us and say, if you put the word queer in the title of this community center, we are never walking through the door again. Like that's how offended they were by that word. So I just wish we had one word that was like queer that, that offended no one. Um, so I always laugh when people are like, there's too many words. I'm like, are you kidding? We need so many more. <laughs> well, there's so many more words. Like there's one that we need. We also need like a, like a gender neutral word for like sir and ma'am, like, you know, cause I don't think smam is going to take off. <laughs> um, there's so many new words that we need. And, and again, they help people, you know, figure out who they are. I, I share a, a story about a transgender woman named Dee in my book. I don't know if you remember that story, but it was so eye-opening for me. Here's this, you, this woman who grows up in the Philippines and there's no word that separates gay men from transgender woman, women, from cross-dressing men, like the, any anyone who they considered, you know, basically assigned male at birth um, that behaved in any way feminine, according to their society and culture, they just used this word bakla. Um, and so she was like, <laughs> yeah, so so poor D, who ended up realizing she was a transgender woman, she had no language for who she was. So she was just hanging out with the gay, the gay boys in her school and thinking that she was a gay boy, but it didn't quite fit, but it was close, like it was closer than straight. And she had no idea who she was because she had no language for it. And when she learned English and she learned the word transgender women, woman, it was like this light bulb goes off in her head. She's like, she has figured out who she is literally because she learned a new word. So, you know, I, I just love that story for people who are like, why do we need all these words? Because these words don't fit everybody. Like they, they kind of fit, you know, but they're not quite it. And when you find your identity word, it's so, um, it's so empowering. It's so beautiful to find your community of people. Um, so, yeah. Well, Jeannie, the word queer, I, I grew up, you don't say that word. I yeah. still cannot relate to that word today, even though it's accepted now. Yeah. And prefer it. I, it's just very, very hard. There's words that you grew up with that you just don't say. So yeah. I'm of your generation, same here. And one yeah. of the tips that I give in my book for folks like us is that um, I, I never use the word queer unless I hear people use it as their identity word. And then the respectful thing to do is to mirror that term, even though it, it you know, it, it may offend you to use it. If someone shares, me. you know, or yeah, but I mean, so, but, you know, for some people, they're like, I don't like this word, but if I hear someone saying, oh, you know, my, my, my wife is a queer woman, that's, that's her identity word, right? So we should mirror that. So I think that's a nice way to navigate a world where you don't necessarily know if someone likes the word queer or not is to simply listen and mirror terms that people are using. So, but I, Tracy, I'm with you or that we're the same age. I mean, it was used in such a hurtful way. Right. It's hard, you know, it's hard to believe that that's become a term of empowerment for many, but I, I know that it has. I learned a lot through the chapter of mirroring. That was perfect. That was a very good, I really like that as well. Thank you. 
as we talked about, the world isn't that safe for the community these days. What are some things people can do to make the community feel safe in public places? For example, the pride flag flags in Starbucks make me feel safe. And it's just like some simple act, but even those are being taken down in some stores now. I know it's, it's incredible. Um, so yeah, so some things that I think we can do, I, I think the visibility is huge. I mean, I really do. I think, you know, fly your, your rainbow flag, your progress flag, um, you know, not, not just June, like all year round, <laughs> like let's get those out. Um, I think language is so important. I mean, I literally with our language, we can create safer spaces, you know, by, by not assuming who someone is or who someone's loved ones are using language that is ungendered until we hear how people refer to themselves. Um, I think is fantastic. People are listening for that stuff. Um, I give an example in my, in my book about being on an airplane and getting in a conversation with the woman next to me about where we were flying to. And she said, oh, I'm going to Denver. You know, my, my daughter's getting married. And I said, oh, I hope you're happy with her choice of a partner. And she paused and said, I am. And I'm so thankful that you used the word partner because she's marrying a woman. And then we had this whole conversation. And I'm thinking, if I had said, you know, husband, if I had just assumed she was marrying a man, that conversation probably would have been shut down. She's like, this, this person isn't safe for me to share that my daughter's marrying a woman. Um, you know what I mean? And so because I, with my language, I told her, I'm open to hearing that your daughter is marrying anyone. And that I think just takes us so far in helping just in those one-on-one -on -one conversations, helping people feel feel safe. Um, other things we can do on bigger scales is just get involved. You know, um, it's a great way to meet people. It's a great way to learn about the communities. Um, if you've got a, you know, an LGBTQ plus center near you, ask if you can volunteer, start your own fundraiser. I actually did a, a bike ride fundraiser for our, uh, a lot, the Alliance that I worked at. And it was, it was amazing how many allies I had in my midst who, who I didn't know and they didn't know what there was to do like in their ignorance they were they just didn't know what there was to do and I just got this enormous group of mostly allies biking for this agency and then going out into the community and talking about why they're biking for this agency and why it's important and it just like blossomed into this enormous it, it they, some people were calling it the ally ride which I didn't appreciate because there were there were LGBTQ plus folks involved too but it was mostly allies who hadn't done anything and didn't really know what to do um, so getting involved, do a fundraiser. If there's a pride in your area, I think that's a just a beautiful gift that we can give back to the LGBTQ plus communities is to volunteer at pride to make sure that it's, you know, as safe and wonderful an experience for everyone as possible. Um, you know, those are just those are just some things. Have conversations. I, I actually think there's there's so much we can do so much with one on one conversations with people. You know, I, I think in in some ways I think it's the the best way to help bring people on board with LGBTQ plus inclusion is just, just be open about how you feel, be, be listen to others respectfully, share ideas. Um, but I have a book in my chapter called good talk, which is 10 of my favorite tips on having conversations with people who think differently than you do in a way that will open their ears to the conversation rather than, you know, put up a big wall and, and shut them down. And I just think those tips are so important for, for talking with folks. Cause we, I think we get a sense of, you know, we, we do feel very divided as a country, you know, either you're for or you're against, and it's these two distinct sides. And I don't think that's the reality. I think there's a lot of people in what we sometimes call the movable middle who were like, 
you know, they're not quite sure, or maybe they're okay with some things and not others. And they're, they're open to having conversations and, and, and learning. And so I think those one-on-one -on -one conversations are, are so critical. That's why I'm where I am today. In my knowledge, when Katie shared with me, um, her, her, sorry, I want to say world, but it just sounds so when she, when she invited me into her world, mm -hmm. I asked so many questions and, you know, she's still figuring it out herself. So I thought, you know, I'll give her a break after what? 50,000 questions. <laughs> you missed your friend. <laughs> oh, and then I started venturing out to my friends and I like, wasn't out yet. Well, that's a whole nother story. I know that's a whole nother story because I just take something and I just boom, roll with it. But uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> you roll oh, with it. Yes. So, <laughs> so I venture out and I have this knack. I talk to everybody. So I might make mistakes and sometimes I'll clam up and say, I'm sorry, but I really know that a lot of it's common sense, how you speak to somebody and how you take the conversation. But I have actually had people understand where I'm coming from. I guess after they get to talking to me, they know that I'm grounded and I, and I want to know I've had so many decent conversations with people and I was, my jaw would drop like, I didn't know that. Oh, really? And this, and, that, and then they would offer more information. So that's why I'm up to the level where I am. And then reading your book just confirms so many things and adds to and confirmed how ignorant I have been growing up and actually lately. And some of the questions I have asked my gay friends were like, Tracy, 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 it's a good thing they understand you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you just, it's part of learning. I, I guess. I don't know if that was important, but <laughs> Mom, everything you have to say is important. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we're all learning. We're all make, we're all going to mess up. It's, oh, that was another. I included so a whole chapter on how to mess up properly in the third, in the second edition, because we're, we're all going to mess up. We all yes. mess up. Yeah. Yes. And I was, an I ongoing this, journey of messing up. <laughs> I, I was talking to um, this girl. She, her pronouns are she and her and she i said you know you, you need a college course to learn all this and she goes there is i was blown away i said thank goodness because you, you need one and i thought that was great there really is not only a college course but a whole segment on this and she's i think she said she teaches it but still not enough and it's uh no but and excluded from other diversity stuff I believe you talked about as well I don't know I didn't ask her no not you <laughs> no I mean I didn't ask I thought you said it's not enough that what she was teaching the, the course is out there no I I mean there's other there's so much more okay. out there okay. yeah no I, I gave an example in my book of of being in getting my master's in social work and in the diversity course LGBTQ plus folks were not touched like it wasn't not discussed it was like so it's like these folks are getting you know this community of people is getting excluded even from the diversity conversations <laughs> and that was 1992 and then um I was like oh well it was 92 but um then I had met someone I think it was 2016 who had just graduated with her master's in social work she said same thing like so you know <laughs> so that's that's horrible that even in the diversity conversations we're being exclusive against LGBTQ plus folks. 
which is why I, I make the point that I think those visible images that say, you know, you're welcome here, or all families are welcome here with the rainbow flag, so critical, because I think when you just see that message of like, everyone welcome here, honestly, LGBTQ plus folks with good reason may be like, except for me, like, I'm not sure that includes me. So just historically, because of that situation. So I think those those visible images of yes, LGBTQ plus folks, we mean you too, you're welcome here are, are really very important. Maybe they won't be in the long run, but they certainly are now. I want, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I get a lot of negative feedback um, from some people in the gay community because I, I feel like I'm on a mission and I'm just so gun ho and getting it at the word out there and helping. But I get some, I get some feedback, not so nice feedback. You know, I get some, some people yell at me, you know, <laughs> from, from the folks gay community. In, from folks in the community? Yes. What can I ask what's upsetting them? Um, just the fact that there's so many initials and so many pronouns that, you know, that they, they said it's getting out of hand and ridiculous. And I look at, and I think, what do I say about, about that? Cause I'm not that savvy to banter back and forth. Yeah. So in that situation, and I, I hear that as well. And again, I think that's what I was talking about earlier, where like these folks have their identity words in place and so they're right. they're set so mm -hmm. they're like well why do we need what what's up with non-binary what's up with pansexual why don't you you know why why can't people just fit into the the words that we have you know which is it's kind of because hard it's not and understand not that but yeah so actually in that situation i well if if folks are willing to listen um and and truly you know truly if you're talking with someone who's just yelling at you and has no interest in listening i got nothing for that there's there's nothing you can say to someone who's not willing to listen but if you're someone's truly willing to listen um i do share that story of, of d and because it's published in my book my friend d is you're welcome to use that story any of the stories in my book but i Thank share you. that story because i think it's a really beautiful example of what life is like before you you found your word um, and that's, you know, that's, so that's true with, again, like non-binary. Oh my gosh. Like before that word existed, there were so many folks who were like, am I trans? Am I like, I don't know what I am. And that word was just huge. I, I know people who today are, are like my age and they're like, gosh, if I had known that word back when I was, you know, 25, that, that would have been my word that some of them feel awkward about taking it on now for some reason as they're older, but those words are expanding people's understanding of who they are. And so I think that I talk about this in my book, but I think that sharing stories and examples are really the key to helping people understand concepts. It's, it's what they're going to remember. Um, and so that story of D is the one that I will often bring up when people say that to me, like there are too many words where it's getting out of hand. So that's what I would recommend. I want to go back to the pronouns real quick because it is such a big deal for people. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit more about neo pronouns? I know you have like a little bit of a section on it in your book. Mm -hmm. um, just can you talk a little bit more about that and why someone may choose to use newer pronouns that aren't she, him, or they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I can probably answer all that except for your last question. Like, because I'm not someone who uses a neo-pronoun. I'm mm -hmm. not sure I can, I, can, I don't want to guess at why someone might use a neo-pronoun. I don't, I don't really actually know that. Um, and actually, I don't think we, I mean, just this is not 
this is for the audience, like I, folks, we don't need to understand why someone uses a pronoun in order to <laughs> use it and be respectful. Um, but yeah, no, so just a little bit about neo pronouns. Neo pronouns are pronouns, neo, the word neo, oh, I keep hitting the volume thing. I hope I'm not missing. The word neo means new. So it neo is a new pronoun and it's a, it's a word that is not yet accepted into the language where it's used. So you won't find a neo pronoun, for example, in the dictionary, which is why the singular they is not considered a neo pronoun because singular they is now in the dictionary as a singular pronoun. So for those of you who are thinking it's not grammatically correct, it is. It now is considered grammatically correct. So that's so. So there's two types of gender neutral pronouns: there's singular they, which stands alone, and then there are neo pronouns, which are newer pronouns that are you're not going to find in the dictionary. And some examples of those are like z and co and per. And if you look this up, you'll see a list of like over a hundred and and growing. And sometimes people will make up their own pronouns or, or make find pronouns that fit for them that that they've completely created um and so that makes things difficult it does and that was the next thing i was going to say so i don't think right. it's a savvy ally action to like memorize a, a, a list of 100 neo pronouns I, I think it's you know it intimidates people they get nervous um the way that i think you should navigate neo pronouns for allies and again this is just coming from an ally perspective is that we should wait until we have a relationship with someone who uses a neo pronoun. So a coworker, a friend, a family member. Um, keep in mind that neo pronoun use is much less common than singular they. So I know that um, the Trevor Project recently did a survey with with youth around pronoun use, and um, singular they was was by far the most common gender neutral pronoun that was used. So neo pronouns are are much less common. But if you if you Meet someone who uses the pronoun Z, for example, and it's a coworker, someone you've got a relationship with, um, that's the time to learn how to use that pronoun. So keep it simple. Just wait until you need to, to understand and learn a pronoun. And then there's a great website called, I'm going to forget the name of it. Um, I'll look it up while we're talking. There's a great website where you can plug in a, a pronoun and practice. Oh, practice with pronouns. It's called practice with pronouns. And um, you can plug in your pronoun Z, for example, that you're practicing, and it will give you all these very funny um, questions where you fill in kind of like mad, the old Mad Libs, you know, where you fill in the, the pronoun so you can get really good at it. Um, so that, that's just how I recommend that you navigate neo pronouns is just like wait until you know someone. Um, but the other thing I want to say about like why someone might want you want to use them again, I'm not going to I don't really um, understand what it feels like to be non-binary, but in a lot of non-binary folks who feel that um, who who the the words, for example, man and woman do not fit for them, um, also find that the pronouns he and she don't fit for them. So are looking for other pronouns that just fit better. Um, so they might use singular they or they might use a neo pronoun. With that said, it's important to know that there are non-binary folks who do use our traditional pronouns of he, she. And there's also binary folks who use um, gender neutral pronoun. So we can't tell someone's gender, for example, or how they identify by the pronoun that they're using. Um, and we don't need to, like the only thing we need to know is is how to refer to somebody respectfully. Yeah, this would be the other dog. <laughs> I was trying to keep a straight face while I was finishing those last few sentences and all I'm hearing is like, boom, 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 boom. 
I can, I'm editing that out because there's different audio tracks, luckily. It's <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> oh my gosh, so cute. I do not think that should be edited out. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Mimi, I had, a, I had a lot of trouble with they and them. I have uh-huh. to say, because a lot I mean, of people do. You know, it's an English thing. Yeah. But it clicked. It really clicked. We've been using they and them as singular forever, and people didn't realize it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope they come back for their purse. They left their purse here. There you go. Yeah. And that's a very good example. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, I give the example, th- this came to me from a friend of mine who uses singular they. So again, I like to give credit where credit is due, but a friend of mine said, just practice using singular they on your pet. Um, and I did for a long time. I was calling our cat Carlos using, referring Carlos as, as they, um, Carlos did not seem to mind <laughs> what pronoun I use as long as I continue to feed him on time. Um, I got so good at it. I got so good at using singular they, cause I was using it constantly to refer to my cat. So if you've got a pet and you're working on getting good at singular they, um, probably your pet won't mind. And it's it's hard to get good at singular they when you don't have an opportunity to practice it over and over and over. And 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 pets are a great way to do that. And you can do that with the neo pronoun that you're trying to learn too. That is that is also true. Um, something else we talked about was going back and apologizing for mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another thing that I've heard people like push back on. I've heard people say apologizing for things in the past just makes you feel better and doesn't mm-hmm. help the other person. Mm-hmm. Is there ever a time you shouldn't go back and say something? Mm, that's a tough question. So I would say, so uh, this is just one person giving an opinion, folks, but I think that when it comes to, oops, I used a wrong name or pronoun, that's a situation that I would never go back and apologize because it, it does draw a lot of attention to your mistake, which draws a lot of attention to the person. Um, and in general, when you mess up someone's name or pronoun, the best thing to do is just a very quick, like, oh, thank you for the reminder or excuse me. Um, but going back in that situation, I, I would say is probably not a great option. I wouldn't do that. I would just make sure I got it right the next time. Um, but I think there are other things, like when I've realized I've said something that, like later on, I'm like, oh, that, you know, that I think that's hurtful what I said, or I didn't realize, you know, and uh, again, it depends on the relationship. So if it's someone like I, I know and love, like a, someone who's the relationship is important to me, I'm, I'm going back. I'm going back and I'm like, I said something last week that I, you know, I've been thinking about and, you know, I'm so sorry if I, if, you know, whatever it is. Um, I've never had a conversation where that's gone badly. In fact, I think it's actually help the relationship because that person is usually like, wow, you're still thinking of that. Like they're really flattered that I'm still thinking about this thing that might've potentially hurt them. So at least again, I'm just sharing one person's experience. I think um, the the going back in general, especially if you've got a a fairly close relationship with someone um, it for me has been a good thing, but I would, I would not do it when it came, if it's just like a misgendering situation, because I think that does draw a lot of extra attention to it. So I'd love to hear your opinion as well on that um i have definitely i was reading the book and there was i don't have uh especially in high school i wasn't around the community that much and i wasn't out yet i wasn't like accepting of myself and uh in my dance studio 
one of the kids just came out as trans and I went back and visited and I messed up their pronoun and I was apologizing profusely and they kept telling me, no, it's okay. And I realized that in hindsight, it was a mistake to be like, no, it's not, it's not okay. Cause like, I felt terrible about it, but it, it's making them feel worse because we're bringing so much attention to their pronouns now. Yeah. And I did uh, when they first um, announced that they were trans, I, there were other, there, there are trans females. So they have long hair in dance and there was a comment that I made that was, I said, oh, like, what are you trying to look like a girl? And it was such an ignorant comment, but I apologize for that because I knew that that was something that probably hurt them at the time. And I think at that point, I think that apologizing for that was okay because that might've been something in the back of their mind. But I, I do agree with the the pronouns just to like, make sure that you use the right one next time. Mm -hmm. But in your defense, we have watched her transition into a female. But it, it shouldn't really That's make correct. a difference. Yeah, I should not have made that comment in the first place. You didn't know. But it, in any way, that comment was not good. That's the ignorance of part of people not knowing. Yeah. Um, so you talk to a lot of people um that aren't in the community when you're talking to people who may not accept the lgbtq plus community how do you respond to someone who says that we have an agenda and want to recruit children basically mm. it's the biggest thing going on now, that right makes now, me probably. that makes my skin crawl it just gets my irish up makes my skin crawl <laughs> yeah and actually um it's interesting because i know you focus on media and I, one of the things that appalls me, and I think we're, we're in general media is getting better about LGBTQ plus representation, but this stereotype, the recruiter or, or you know, the over the promiscuous, the, you know, the yeah, recruiter, um, I can't believe how often I'm still seeing this in, in movies. I was giving the example of this is, this is embarrassing to admit this to however many people are listening to this <laughs> like my, one of my guilty pleasures is I like I really love teen movies like good teen movies like clueless like love them um and I, I I've liked the pitch the pitch perfect oh pitch I love perfect them. Is great. hilarious right yeah okay why do we have to have the one lesbian character constantly groping the, you know the lights go out and she's groping the other singers I'm like are you kidding me like in this day and age so it's it's amazing to me that we're still throwing in that, oh, the lesbian must be out recruiting. She mm -hmm. must be, you know, being promiscuous and, and have an agenda. I'm like, this, this stuff is so, I mean, I, I think um, media has really needs to clean that shit up. Media um, has but, a lot of cleaning to do in this I mean, that's area. a lot of where it's coming from. Are you kidding me? This, oh my gosh. Um, so I'll also say that fortunately, um, the vast majority of folks that I talk to are um, folks who want to be allies who want to know how to do that, right? So, so I, I shifted when I when I shifted work from being the education director at our uh, local nonprofit here. Um, I really moved into like, folks who want to be allies, and that's again the target of my book. So you'll notice I'm not 
trying to convince anyone to be an ally in my book. Um, I do give some examples of like how to respond to this or that or the other thing. I didn't share that one because I actually, I don't know that anyone's ever, ever actually said that to my face. Like I know that that stereotype is out there, but I don't think anyone has ever questioned me on the gay agenda. Um, so <laughs> now at the podcast, we have a big gay agenda. That's the title. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was going to say, I think, <laughs> I think what I would do is probably start with humor and say, oh, I, you know, the gay agenda, sure. I think it's pretty similar to the straight agenda, you know, like, um, you know, <laughs> buy milk on your way home from work, um, you know, feed your pet, like what, you know, what's on your agenda? <laughs> like, I think I would probably start in that way to, to do sort of the switch it technique of like, you know, of course, what are you talking about? Um, I mean, all we can do is is share it, again. If it's someone who's willing to listen, um, mm -hmm. I would have a conversation about how you know. I think this is a stereotype, or, or I'd probably even ask some questions like, "Can you can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that? I'm not quite sure what you mean by the gay agenda. Like, like have them talk a little bit more. It's hard to latch on to something like that unless you hear more. So if you're with someone who's literally interested in having a conversation, tell, tell me more about the gay agenda. What have you heard about that? What does that mean to you? Um, because I think that's going to give you some, some stuff that you can talk about. Um, if you're like me and you don't think quickly on your feet, I've got a good brain. I'm not dissing myself, but I'm not a quick thinker. I'm a ponderer. And so I get there eventually, but it's not always in a timely fashion. So one of the tips that I share in my book is um, just always feel, you know, come back to that conversation later. So if you're like, you start this conversation on the gay agenda, whatever this means for this person, and, you know, that night in bed, you're like, oh, I totally should have said this or given this example. Like, I'll go right back, especially if it's like a coworker. Hey, remember we were talking yesterday? Uh, here's, I just had another thought. Um, feel free to do that if you're a person like me who just doesn't like, work well under pressure um so that those are just some some thoughts on on the gay agenda i feel that i'm definitely that's why i don't like phone calls i i like emails so i can actually think about what i need to yeah. say actually i have to tell a funny story um i i almost added this photo to my book and then i was like mm, like i i really don't want to offend anyone i could see where maybe this would offend someone so i didn't but i'll i'll share here we i was once doing a workshop with a transgender man he was a coworker of mine and it was on halloween and it was a like a full day workshop and we were i was like we are totally going in costume because like i just i'm all about that and so so i went as the transgender umbrella and i bought myself a rainbow beanie and i hung off of it all the different identities that are under the transgender umbrella so just like as i moved my head it was like non-binary trans woman trans man like you know cross-dresser so i was the transgender umbrella and he went as the gay agenda and he <laughs> a sign that said you know the gay agenda and it was literally like buy milk feed the dog you know fight for equality or something it was really really cute um so just getting at your gay agenda but i did not share that in the book as i don't know why at the last minute i was like uh, i don't know if people would think that was offensive but i thought it was funny i also think it's funny <laughs> you made another point that really was crucial but everybody that's in the gay community, it, it's being gay is not just what they're all about. There is so much more to a person than their identity. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think especially when it comes to like people saying like, I don't understand, just leave, leave being gay at home. Like, what does that have to do with school or what does that have to do with work? And I'm like, 
folks, you can't leave the fact that you're gay at home any more than you can leave the fact that you're like Jewish at home or hard of hearing. Like all you can do is hide these things if you feel unsafe. They're coming to work with you. You can't. It's so proud. How many times have I threw Irish around? You got yeah. my Irish up, you know, it's yeah, right. It's so like if you're a gay man at work and, you know, you can switch the pronouns of your husband when you talk about, you know, when you refer to your husband, you know, when you talk about what you did over the weekend, because you don't feel safe, you're still a gay man at work like that. That's not about what you're doing in the bedroom. It's about who you are. It's about your family and who you love. And so I just think that people yeah, people just don't understand that at all. Like, what does that have to do with work? I'm like, folks, you know, you got a picture on your desk of your your loved one. You're you're bringing your spouse to the the company picnic. Like that. That's what you know. Bringing your orientation to work is about. What we're not bringing to work is our sexual behaviors, unless we're sex workers. I just want to say that. But in, in general, like in the corporate world, we're not bringing our sexual behaviors to work and people confuse sexual behaviors with sexual orientation. And I think that that really rears its ugly head. Often people are confusing those two things. Sexual behaviors don't come to work. I shouldn't be talking about some great new sexual position. My husband and I just discovered when I'm talking, you know, in the lunchroom with my coworkers, but I should be, I should feel safe and comfortable saying, Oh, my wife and I saw this great movie. Um, so yeah, that people, there's so much confusion around that. And I, again, that's just a place where allies can listen, listen for that confusion over behavior and orientation and help to fill people in on, you know, educate folks on that. Do you have anything else? Because I know, uh, before we wrap up, like my mom's going to have to go cause she has to go to work, but yeah, have anything but else? I have something else that I'm very passionate about and it really upsets me. You know what I'm going to say? Nope. Oh. <laughs> There's a lot of things that can come out of your mouth right now. <laughs> Well, we have a lot of suicides and a lot of people think that they're not going to, they're going to go to hell. I, I'm so tired of hearing people say, God does not see you. I mean, I know I shouldn't be talking about God, but I am going to talk about God and he should, he doesn't see you. He doesn't, he, you're just going to go to hell. There's a lot of suicides because of that. People don't feel they don't go to church because of that. Why do they go to church? Why should they go to church if God doesn't like them? I have got to get through to these people who say that because if they know these Christians who say God, this God, that, you know what? You're not Christian. If you know God, you'll know that God made us all and God loves us all. If I could get that through everybody's head, <laughs> I would be so happy because God's not like that. So they don't know God. So they're pretty, um, there's a lot of hypocrite, hypocrites out there. I'm very passionate about that. Can you tell? Yes, I can. <laughs> um. <laughs> I really can't stand it because you have to know God. If you know God, he, he loves us all. He made us all. He doesn't make mistakes or your higher power. Or they higher... love us all. Cause I'm not sure God's a, Big old man in the sky that's why i don't want to say <laughs> i'm saying god for my own everybody has yeah, a belief yeah. and i believe everybody should have their own belief yeah. but of higher power because at the end of the day you're all safe so, and i wish yeah. i could get so, that through i do want to i do want to say i don't like to leave people thinking that you know um it, it, religious people are anti-LGBTQ+, because that that's is not the truth for many, many people and many faith communities. There's a lot of faith communities doing wonderful things around the lines of um, creating, you know, affirming 
spaces for LGBTQ plus folks. So there are Christians who are fully on board with LGBTQ plus inclusion. And I want to make sure we acknowledge that and we're not just yeah. like totally bashing all Christians. Um, but, you oh, know, one not. of the things, yeah, saying. no, I just want to, I want to make that clear. I think sometimes people take away that like, oh, you're saying Christians are all terrible people, which we're not. Um, I think that religion is especially, especially hard because people, um, when I talk about um, in, in my book about our what we know, our lump of knowledge, what we know of the world, um, it's especially hard to change things that we know. And I'm putting no in air quotes for those of you who are not watching this, um, because it's it's what we think we know. It's not necessarily factual, but stuff that we know in our lump of knowledge is especially hard to change when we grew up knowing it. So we've known it for a long time and other people in our community also know it. So that often is the case with religion where this stuff has been, you know, part of our lump of knowledge forever. So changing it is not, there, there's, I, I, again, in my book, I talk about there's, there's no one thing that you are ever going to say, no matter how perfectly crafted and, you know, angels singing in the background, oh, this comment is nothing you can say. There's no one thing you're going to say that's going to ever change anyone's mind. That's not how people learn. So I think that is a, is a good thing to keep in mind because it takes that weight off our shoulder of like coming up with that perfect thing. Like, what can I say to change this person's mind? Nothing. There's no one thing you can say. What we can do is we can have respectful conversations where we share our thoughts and ideas. We plant seeds. And then down the line, this person may have other conversation. Like learning is a very, very long process. And it's important to keep that in mind because as you, Tracy, are you know, it sounds like you're sort of on this mission to like just eliminate, like if people believe this, I got to stop them from believing it. Um, the best way to do that is is really just have respectful, honest conversations with folks who are willing to talk with you about it and then let them go on their path because- Oh, I never go at somebody's face like that. I don't, I don't charge into them. Oh like yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, even I if, just... even if it's respectful, take the pressure off your shoulders of like there's there's something I there's something out there that I can say that's going to change this person's belief that they have held their whole lives. Like, there isn't. Well, my response, <laughs> the only response I come up with is I said, well, I do know that my higher power makes everybody, and he doesn't make any mistakes. He loves everybody. So, and I just leave it at that. That's the seed that I plant. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that seed, you really have to go because you have two minutes to get to work. Bye. <gasps> Jeannie, it was nice it was to meet so you. so nice to meet you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Uh, I would... So that's all the questions I have for today. Not really, but this conversation could go on forever. I know. I, know, I agree. Your mom's great. What a sweetheart. <laughs> uh, yes, I love her. Oh. Um, she means very well. I'm so glad. Do you, you have any fun listeners? <laughs> Um, well, so should I just, I'm not sure like what's getting included and what's not, but, um, so I would just like to welcome anyone who would like to reach out to me with any additional questions. I find that I love getting questions from the community. It makes me a savvier ally. Um, you can message me directly from my website at savvyallyaction.com and I will get back to you with my answer. So wonderful. Thanks again for talking to both of us today, Jeannie. To everyone listening, make sure you check out The Savvy Ally. I truly believe it is a great resource for everyone to read. Thank you. Thank you. This was great.
And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, no matter how brief. It helps us get into Apple's algorithm to reach a wider audience. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you about everything and anything. You can find us on all the social medias at Big Gay Energy Pod or email us at BigGayEnergyPod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make friends with other queer media-loving people, reach out to us to join our Discord server. If you'd like to support us, check out our merch store or join our Patreon for early access to episodes, exclusive content, and so much more. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for Lesbian Jesus.